0: Hello and welcome to South Asia Chat, brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I'm your host, Ronan Joy Sen, Senior Research Fellow at the Institute. Of the four states and one union territory that went to election over March and April, West Bengal, rightly or wrongly, was at the center of attention. On election day, it was West Bengal once again that invited the most discussion and debate. This was partly due to the overwhelming verdict in favor of Chief Minister Mamata Banerjee and the Trinamool Congress TMC in Bengal, despite the Bharata Janata Party and Prime Minister Modi having focused considerable energies and resources on the state. The result also appended most exit polls, which had predicted a close contest, with some surveys having forecast a BJP sweep. The Bengal verdict put into shade somewhat results in Assam, where the incumbent BJP government returned comfortably to office. To discuss the West Bengal and Assam election results, we have with us Nilanjan Sarkar, who followed both state elections closely and was present in both states during the campaign. Nilanjan is a senior visiting fellow at CPR and assistant professor at Ashoka University. His research interests include Indian political economy and comparative political behavior. Sarkar's recent work focused on state-level elections in India through both data work and ethnographic methods. He's also a non-resident fellow at the Center for the Advanced Study of India at the University of Pennsylvania. He received a bachelor's degree in applied mathematics and economics from UC Berkeley in 2003 and a PhD in political science from Columbia University in 2014. Thank you, Nilanjan, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Right. So let me just start off with the the questions, uh, and one of the uh, you know, ones that has sort of troubled me, uh, not just for this election but also for uh, recent uh, elections in India. Uh, now, why do you think most surveys and analysts got the Bengal verdict wrong?
1: So you know, let me start with actually a relatively technical view. So I I actually had been talking to some of the people who run surveys in West Bengal as, as this election was unfolding. And uh, you know, to a person, they said, look, from the survey side, and I mean people doing quantitative surveys, um, it was very difficult going. Difficult going for a number of reasons. First, anytime you do an election survey, you're going to get a high percentage of people who don't respond, who refuse to respond. Um, in West Bengal, evidently, a lot of surveys are saying that that percentage is higher than many of the other states, perhaps because of a culture of fear uh, on the ground. The second major issue is that and we'll, we'll talk about this more, um, a large uh, the largest base of political appeal for the incumbent TMC government for Momota Banerjee was among the forest segments of society and among women. Now these are populations that typically have a much higher probability of refusing to respond to your survey or simply not opening the door essentially. Uh, So in fact, I was on a major Indian television channel when one of these surveys came out and I immediately said, this can't be right. You've undersampled uh, these populations Um, and you've you've missed what's happening with this group. So what I would say is that look, Quantitative surveys are a method, they're a very valuable method. I do a lot of them myself. I'm very much a fan of uh, many of uh, of these uh, companies and scholars. Um, and a lot of them did get the trend right, but it's very difficult going. And if you're being very honest about what a survey is doing, then you should also be honest about how it can go, go wrong and where it can go wrong. You will know, um, you know Ron and Joy, that uh, if you follow the election closely, there were some significant number of people who were doing field work or reporters who were Bengali speaking, who picked this up. And the reason why they picked it up is precisely because these were populations that were able to go into the village, start up conversations with people who may have been otherwise hesitant to open up and really get to see what was happening in the electorate.
0: Right. Um, thank you, Nilanjan, for throwing light on, on, on the, the, the processes of, 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 of quantitative uh, as well as qualitative surveys. Um, so, my second question is you know, besides uh, Mahamata Banerjee's personal popularity, uh, which we already knew about, what were the main pillars of the TMC's success? And do you think the center's mishandling of the COVID 19 second wave, which of course happened? in the midst of the election, or rather towards the end of the election in West Bengal, did that have an impact on voter behavior?
1: So um, let me actually take the last part of this question first. Um, so a lot of people are saying, uh, based on looking at the data, and you know, there's reason to say this, that it doesn't seem like the second surge of COVID in India had, uh, was impactful for the election. I broadly agree, but the reason why it's very difficult to tease apart is that when you have such an extraordinarily large victory, essentially from the 2019 election to the 2021 state election, the TMC's vote share has gone up by five percentage points and the BJP's has dropped by about two. Right, So huge differences in just two years time. That's happened across the state. The last several phases that went to election, went to the polls during the, the worst of the surge, those are places where the TMC was already going to do well. There were stronghold areas. So they already were ahead and they were in the midst of a wave in their favor. So given that essentially TMC was already way ahead, it's very difficult to tease out whether coronavirus had any marginal impact on that, right? Because uh, what was the margin, uh, marginal impact that it could have? I mean, you know, the BJP was not going to win many of those seats anyway. Uh, had the election been much closer, then we would have had more of an opportunity to see whether coronavirus was impactful. So I'm not ready to say that it isn't impactful in a theoretical or an intellectual sense. It's just that Given how poorly the BJP was doing, the, these constituencies weren't really in play anyway. Now, sort going to the first question, you know, why did the TMC do so well? Why did Momota Banerjee do so well? So, the first, uh, uh, you know, element ingredient of this you've mentioned, which is Momota Banerjee, is uh, an extraordinarily popular uh, political leader. And just to sort of put some color there. The reason why it matters is uh, the typical way to try to break a party, and we saw a a very significant attempt to do so, is to engineer defections among uh, leading politicians within the party, uh, uh, members of legislative assembly, members of parliament. All of these things happened. BJP was very successful in engineering defections from the TMC but a kind of party that essentially grew to prominence in the 1990s. These regional parties that have charismatic leaders at top. Voters are voting for the charismatic leader. Voters are not voting for separate MLAs, MPs, so on and so forth. And so despite all of the noise and all of the resources the BJP was, was, was pushing in, Modi Banerjee's own, you know, popularity was not really dented uh, very heavily. Now, in addition to that, in addition to her personal popularity, one has to look at how the TMC has crafted its welfares and its welfare state. So, mathematically, we knew, and let's just sort of use a rule of thumb, about thirty percent of the West Bengal electorate is from the Muslim community, and seventy percent, approximately, is from the Hindu community. Now, for the BJP. Uh, it was very unlikely that they were going to get more than just a handful of votes in the Muslim community. So they always knew that they were going to have to get upwards of 65% of the Hindu community in order to be competitive or have a chance of of, of getting a majority. So the question for the TMC was, are there elements of your campaign, of the way that you have governed that can uh, fundamentally cut down on this uh, Hindu-Muslim polarization, right? And uh, what the TMC had in its kitty is its strong welfareism. So if you traveled around Bengal and you looked to the poor communities, you would see that a lot of them had received benefits from this government. In fact, during the first lockdown coronavirus, we talked to a lot of people and they said that it was Momota who saved us, not Modi, not the prime minister. Right? That's very different than most other states, where Modi is seen as, as as the as the protector, right? So you know the targeted benefits were really reaching the population. Now add to that that in a lot of TMC and Momota Banerjee's welfare design, the beneficiaries were systematically women. So uh, the two most well-known schemes, Konnashri Rupashri, essentially give a total of fifty thousand rupees for for, uh, a girl-child completing school through class 12 and not having an underage marriage, right? Now, in a poor family, that's a significant amount of money, right? So it immediately makes a female member an important breadwinner, but also gives a certain kind of financial and independence and bargaining power in the household. And I think part of the major social change that we're going to have to grapple with and the BJP is going to have to grapple with Is that this wasn't just simply a story of, okay, some money is being given to women or Mamata Banerjee is a female leader. This was an assertion of gender, of uh, women being a separate and important political constituency in the electorate. There were women's only rallies, there were certain misogynistic statements made uh, most notably by BJP State President Dilip Khosh and by Prime Minister Modi, which genuinely hurt the BJP on the ground. A lot of women mentioned it to us. Um, so there was a certain political consciousness that was for the first time, you know, that I, I would see. And, and, you know, it's not there hasn't been a women's vote for Mahmoud Banji or for some of the other political leaders. But what I saw in West Bengal this time was at a different scale. So when you sort of add, um, you know, poorer populations, I would say subaltern so populations, but not in the way that sometimes people have been using it. Um, when you add women, and you add that, you know, in fact, uh, things have not been going so well in this country for the last few years. Uh, you have the makings of a TMC suite.
0: Right. Uh, thanks for uh, mapping the, the reasons why uh, Mahmudan and Trinamu, you know, one, uh, you know, such, such an overwhelming victory, and you know, pointing to the importance of not just the welfare schemes but also uh, uh, women voters. And, and your response segues quite nicely into the next question uh, about the, the 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 nature of the BJP's campaign. You know, despite putting everything into the Bengal election, uh, where do you think did the BJP get it wrong? And do you think the 2019 Lok Sabha result in Bengal, where support for the BJP jumped dramatically, did that lull the party uh, into overconfidence?
1: So, you know, uh, I think what we're seeing in West Bengal, so so first, you know, let me say this is, this is not an easy question to answer, right? I mean, I think um, the reality is the BJP did a lot of things wrong, (laughs) Um, but um, you know, They did, uh, the BJP did have um, a spectacular, shall we say political debut almost in 2019, winning 18 out of 42 parliamentary constituencies, right? Almost getting a majority of the seats in the Lok Sabha elections. There's of course, the sort of simple difference that national elections and state elections are different, but this was much more than that. The real change in the West Bengal electorate came in 2016 in 2016 the left and the congress were and you know they actually uh, formed an alliance in the 2016 state elections were still seen as the opposition when it became clear that the tmc both in terms of local muscle power right in terms of party cadre and in terms of political appeal were way ahead of the joint forces of the left and the congress a lot of the local cadre that were associated with the left in particular Shifted over to the BJP. So overnight, you would have a situation where uh, you know political actors who had been associated with the erstwhile left, the left had controlled West Bengal for a long time, now all of a sudden were had BJP flags, you know, on their And so, armed with a new cadre which had come over from the left from 2016. Um, the BJP looked to make a very strong debut in the Panchayat elections, in the village elections in 2018. At that point, the TMC and Momota Banerjee panicked, and as we all know, there was mass scale rigging in the village elections. Um, they essentially didn't let the BJP rise in the village elections. That created a large amount of resentment and anger among the electorate. Coupled with financial resources for the BJP, and at least some ground catter, which had been brought over from the left, and that proved to be a winning formula in many places. Fast forward two years. The big difference is that in 2019, I don't think the Banerjee saw it coming, but after, this, after the national election, and Prashant Kishore, her political strategist has said this as well, she was very open to changing whatever problems existed in the party structure. And that involved getting rid of, uh, let's tell you non-performing assets or very, very corrupt people who unfortunately for the BJP just joined with the BJP and hurt their credibility. Um, But also sort of bolstering what the things that we talked about, welfare and women. On the other side, the BJP essentially had a ragtag bunch of defectors. It has a party cadre which is actually not that committed because they've just shifted over from the left. There are many, many different factions among the party cadre. There often is a lot of infighting. The state-level uh, faces for the BJP are not that awe-inspiring, especially when one considers the larger-than-life character that Momta Banerjee is. So on all sides, the BJP's just sort of didn't come into the fight with much, other than a large number of resources financially and institutional, central police, there, there's talk of uh, you know, some bullying of the election commission, um, but that proved to be nowhere near
0: enough to defeat the TMC. Right. Uh, so to now move away from the, uh, you know, the state to the to the uh, the national theater, what impact, if any, do you think will the Bengal verdict have on national politics and the, the so-called BJP system that many of us have been talking and writing about?
1: You know, uh, I I think, you know, with... Uh, the rapidly changing economic, social, and political environment that is India as we speak, you know, it, it's you know, not the smartest idea to give very, very definite predictions, but let me at least talk about uh, possible roads going forward. Right? So right now, as we all know, um, India is uh, in the middle of a terrifying surge of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, there are a lot of people feel abandoned by the central government. A lot of people feel that these elections were held aggressively in a context in which they shouldn't have been held. They were held over eight phases, well over a month in West Bengal as cases were surging. And public rallies were allowed for the largest part of that time, um, even against uh, certain kinds of advice. We know that before this recent surge of cases started, um, there had been anti-farmer, there had been farmer protest against a farmer bill, um, uh, particularly in North India and Punjab and Haryana that was genuinely hurting the popularity of the government as well. So there's a larger view out there that this government may not care for the common person, or shall we say the less well to do person? That is something that is being developed, and that is something the BJP has been very, very concerned about. You will remember that when Congress's Rahul Gandhi made a jibe um, at Narendra Modi, basically um, a government for the fancy wealthy people, uh, Modi took it very seriously, got very angry, and changed political course because he knew the cost of being seen as. Uh, you know, adversarial to the poor. Today, today, the BJP is finding itself in a very, very similar position. And somebody like Momota Banerjee was able to really take advantage. I told you already about the sort of lockdown story. It was Momota who saved us, not easy, right? To the extent that the political opposition can learn about the politics of welfare, the politics of gender, um, that can be very, very costly for the BJP, not just in certain individual state elections, but also at the national. level. BJP's Hindu nationalism is very, very effective against other caste and religious-based politics. It's very good at counter-mobilizing on identity, narrow definition of identity, caste and religion, identity-based terms. But once the politics of economic class, the politics of gender come to the fore, it's not clear that the BJP has an easy way of responding given uh, sort of its political and social arsenal. Um, And that was in full display in West Bengal. So we're going to learn uh, a lot now. Um, We're going to have high stakes polls in Uttar Pradesh uh, in the upcoming year. Um, and I expect that some of the lessons from West Bengal will be carried forward. Although the political actors are perhaps not as charismatic or as popular as Malata Banerjee in the opposition in UP. But we'll, got, we'll get to sort of understand how much these kinds of appeals and tactics are really hurting the
0: BJP's core Hindu nationalist flank. Right. Okay, finally, at the risk of turning the Assam election into a footnote, um, why do you think uh, that the incumbent BGP government won so comfortably in Assam? And why didn't the Congress alliance, which seemed on, on paper uh, quite formidably, why was it not able to put up more of a fight against the BGP?
1: So let me start with actually the main factor. And then one other factor that I think, you know, has sort of evaded uh, recent discussion of Assam. So, um, you know, when you go to Assam, and I spent a fair amount of time in Assam this time as well, it's quite extraordinary. Assam, for many of us who've been studying Indian politics for a while, who spent some time there, was supposed to be the most complicated state in terms of social cleavages. You have language, Assamese, Bengali, of course you have religion, Hindu, Muslim, You have regional factors, you have reserve land versus non-reserve land, right? Um, So all of these things uh, are, uh, you know, had been major factors in Assamese politics. But, um, you know, fast forward to today, and the only politics that you hear across Assam is the politics of Hindu and Muslim. So much so that the average person, when you, when you go uh, to any constituency, will tell you this is a Hindu constituency, or this is a Muslim constituency. They will give you a demographic calculation. In fact, it is what political scientist Karen Frey calls a census election. Literally, you look at the census and you know how the, how the seat is going to vote. So in the 2019 election, the BJP Alliance won 78 seats. And the average margin of victory across Assam, so whether the BJP won or not, was 23 percentage points. Right, So huge margins of victory. So even with moderate changes in the electorate, it's very hard to change the seat count. And in fact, this time the BJP Alliance got 75 seats, Right, so it wasn't a big difference. Right? So even if there was some change in the electorate, it wasn't really being picked up in, 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 a, in a serious way in terms of the final seat shares. So just to sort of, uh, you know, talk about what kind of changes there may have been. So one, I think people talked about the politics of Akhil Gogoi uh, and uh, the politics of CAA, right? The the politics around a, uh, an amendment to Indian citizenship um, or as they locally called Ka. Now Akhil Gogoi did have an impact, right? Um, you know, the BJP did suffer very severe losses in terms of vote share in Upper Assam, where Akhil Gruh is popular. But again, given these very large margins of victory, it just simply didn't have an impact on seats. The other sort of smaller story here is that the Bodo land area, former ally BPF, uh, actually switched sides and went to the Congress. But it was actually a bit tricky because the party that came in its place was a party called UPPL, which was actually when we traveled in borderland on the ground, quite a bit more popular among the Bodo population. Uh, UPPL was much more popular than the BPF. So borderland is an interesting area. It has a large Muslim population. It has obviously a reasonable large Bodo population, but also has a very significant percentage of Hindi speaking sort of other mixed population. Now, the BJP was able to essentially create an alliance between you know, the Bordeaux, who a large percentage of whom were supporting UPPL, and the non-Muslim population in those seats. Again, that sort of census election phenomenon um, to win those areas. So that's sort of how the BJP was able to get its numbers. I always say if you wanted to simply compare Assam and West Bengal, Assam is actually the case the BJP wants, right? It is a place that has more than a third of its population is from the Muslim community, yet the level of Hindu-Muslim polarization is so complete that it has become a census election, right? That it is very, very difficult for the side that represents the Muslim community to ever form the majority in the government, given the way things stand today. That's why the politics of Mamata energy is so important in West Bengal because she shows that a politics of economic class, welfareism, and a politics of gender can undercut these extreme levels of Hindu-Muslim polarization uh, that, are, of course, advantage the BJP. Right. Uh,
0: thanks, ananjan for bringing in that comparison between um, Assam and West Bengal since both of them have uh, a significant uh, Muslim population. I'm afraid uh, we have run out of time. Thank you, Nilanjan, for those fascinating insights. And looking forward to talking to you again in future. Thank you for having me. Uh, you were listening to South Asia Chat. If you wish to learn more about our work, do visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg. Thank you.